Once again, good morning. Great, great news today. Caitlin was born again today. Congratulations. Uh, some of us have been kind of watching for the Tim's new baby arrival, little Vivian. Uh, well, she was born just a few minutes ago, actually, and so we're excited for them. We'll have to get by and see. Uh, Jonathan text uh, Jeff and simply said, she's perfect. <laughs> and I love that, that thought. Um, a lot of good things like a day like today, a lot of births. You know, Caitlin's again. She was actually had a birthday back on uh, June the 18th and um, then a new birth today. And then now we have Vivian being born. And then we have the older folks, which would be Phil Kennedy and Stan Neely over there. It's their birthday. So before, before they leave, make sure you say happy birthday to them. But God is good, amen? Amen, amen and amen. Uh, David Udrick tells of a, a little story about a baby who claps her hands over just about everything and anything. He said, shove breakfast cereal in front of her and she'll clap her hands. Sit her in a circle of toys and she begins to break out in applause. Her parents took her to the seashore to watch the waves roll in and she started clapping right away. Are the baby parents, are the baby's parents concerned? Are they stressed or worried about anything? They simply said, we only worry that someday she'll stop. Too many times for us, I think, we've found ourselves stopping in the applause that we should have for our Savior. Perhaps it's because we have too much stress in our lives. Anybody have any stress? Anybody ever stress? We all do. We're all guilty, young and old alike. You don't have to be old to be full of stress. You can be a second grader and be stressed out about something. We stopped clapping, I would say. We have stopped celebrating God's gifts, His celebration of wonder and the creative power that He gives us as His children. And perhaps most of all, we have forgotten our salvation, our salvation found in His great love for us. We have a choice in life. All of us do. We can worry or we can worship. We can certainly in all of this stress or celebrate. It's really up to us. It's our choice in life. So today I want to talk to you about two things, stress and salvation. You may say, how in the world do those things go together? Well, I say it like this, and this is how I started this message. I just wrote this sentence or a couple of sentences here together and, and simply said, how can I build that around that? I simply write two things, stress and salvation. I think we have the one because we may not have the other. Or perhaps we have forgotten that we have the one and it contributes to having the other. Stress and salvation. So what's it all about? In the remembrance of David talking about just a minute ago about Joshua, but also about Jesus and all it was about. And yet we know what it's about, or so we say we do, but we often forget. But the truth is, all of us have heard, God loves you. God loves you. 
I think the whole world has probably heard that at some time or another, that God loves you. But God does love us. For some 2,000 years ago, He sent His Son. He was born in Bethlehem. He was raised and He had a perfect life. And He died a perfect death for you and me. And on the third day, He rose from the grave. And today, He stands at the door, your door, and He knocks. And He says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And if you will open the door and allow me to come in, I will give you salvation. I will give you a thing called eternal life. I will give you something that no one can snatch from you. I will give you the assurance of heaven itself. What a mighty God we serve. Amen? Now, some, many in the world, and even many that are trying to search something out about God, they say, well, that's really small in its thinking. That's narrow in its approach to think that Jesus is the only way. Well, you wouldn't be alone. There's a poll that is taken. Over half of the American people believe that if they're good enough and have done something good in life for someone else, that heaven awaits them as they think in their mind what heaven might be. Because it just makes sense that if I'm good, I get good. I get that wonderful place called heaven. And if you're bad, if you're evil, it makes sense that they would be separated from a place that's good called heaven. It just makes sense, some say. Well, it does sound good. The thought is good. We would all know that good is better than bad. Give me an amen. So if good is good and bad is bad, it separates the two. But I would be wrong in telling you because that's not what the Bible says. Just because you're good and just because you think of heaven doesn't mean heaven awaits for you. So... Let me borrow an analogy here, heard many years ago, something like this. Not sure of all the details. This is how I have it. Let's say that you're on a plane to Hawaii. Sounds pretty good already, doesn't it? Anybody like to go? Me too. Phil's buying. All right. But nonetheless, (laughs) birthday boy gets to buy. All right. But let's say you're on a plane to Hawaii. And you're taxiing down the runway, you've buckled up, you've turned the device off. I hate when people don't turn that device off. I'm like, what are they doing? But anyway, nonetheless, you turn the device off and you're headed down the runway and you're ready to go and all of a sudden the voice of the pilot comes on and there it is before you. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to flight BR549 or whatever it happens to be, right? And in that, he begins to say, services nonstop to Honolulu, Hawaii. Sounds really good. Our cruising altitude today will be some 32,000 feet, and we'll be serving some refreshments, and of course, we're going to be watching a movie. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Wow. Sounds really good, doesn't it? But he doesn't stop. So the pilot then says something like this. He says, Oh, by the way, folks, I'm not so sure about this whole fuel thing up here. I see the gauge that here indicates that we don't have near enough fuel to get us to our destination. But don't worry about that, because I feel good about all of this. 
don't worry, just enjoy your flight. Because I feel really good about this. I have all these navigational devices up here and all these things, but I'm not going to use them because that's too narrow-minded for a person like me and with my skills. I believe that all roads or all airways lead to Hawaii. Sit back, relax, enjoy your flight. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure at that very moment, I'm thinking we got a lunatic in the cockpit. How about you? But now, mind you, you're still on the plane. You're still in the plane. You're still sitting on the seat that you were assigned. How would you feel? A little stressed? A little stressed? Me too. I want that to sink in just for a minute because it really it ties things together, hopefully, in this message. I want to share with you the words that come from Jesus himself. This is the red letter edition that I put in white letters, but nonetheless, it's the red letter part, meaning that's where Jesus speaks. For some 2,000 years ago, he gave these words to a group of people, men at the time, and it's God's cure for a stress-filled world in which we live today because the world in which we live is a stress-filled world, I will tell you. What does he say? This is what he says. You know the Scripture. He begins by saying, in John chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, many rooms, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know the way and the place where I am going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus comes back and he simply says those words, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why were the disciples at this point, why would Jesus say these words, do not let your hearts be troubled? Why were these uh, disciples so afraid? Why were they overwhelmed? Why were they stressed out? Why did they need these words said to them? It is because If you look back in the chapter before, in chapter 13, he had just dropped a bombshell on these men. In fact, it was a three-shell bombshell, if you will. This is what takes place. He first says, one of you are going to betray me. And we know him as Judas. So there's a shock among the group of men. Secondly, he tells Peter, which is perhaps the leader, if you will, or the one looked up to perhaps one of the most at the time, you're going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times you're going to deny me. And oh, by the way, if that's not enough for you, you need to know I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I'll be gone. In all of that, then there must have been some stress. There must have been something in the look in their eyes that caused Jesus to come back and say these words. These men at this time had thought that they had given up every single thing to follow this man that had now told them they're going to betray him, deny him, and he's leaving them. That's big news. Think about it. You've invested your entire life. You've given up all your career to follow this one. And now he says, I'm out of here. Stress? I believe so. What they didn't understand was this. They oftentimes, we don't understand that Jesus came to this earth earth with to express purpose of 
going to the cross. The purpose of Jesus coming to this earth was to go to the cross. You need to know that. It was to go to the cross so that sins, the sins of the world, could be nailed to the cross. For you and for me, your sin, my sin, the sin of the world. And then on the third day, being raised from the dead. They thought that he was going to establish an earthly kingdom then and there. They thought this was it. This is going to be from now and ever in a kingdom here on this earth. So when he said, I am going to leave you guys, and you're going to betray me, you're going to deny me, and all of them did. So he goes, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He's saying to us, it's saying to them, but saying to us the same thing I think today. When it seems like the world is falling apart, and sometimes it feels as though it is, and darkness overtakes you, and sometimes it does, I want you to know, don't let your heart be troubled. Stress less. Wouldn't you like to know there's a cure to stress less in your life? You really don't care right now if you're not stressed. You're kind of like, I don't have any stress in my life at all. Anyone ever have stress in your life, please raise your hand. The rest of you, just wait. Because it'll be there someday. So this will help you in advance. Listen closely. For those of us that have been there and done that and got the t-shirt and the shorts and everything else that go with it, let us remember that we need this as well. And certainly those that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Why should they not be troubled? Why should we not be troubled? He gave a few reasons why, and in this passage that we've read here today, there's some great principles there for a stress-filled world, stress-filled life that you might be even experiencing even today. So take a big, deep breath and fly with me, if you will. Number one, to stress less. First and foremost, you must understand we need to take God at His Word. The Word of God is the truth. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's Word is the truth. Not some of it, not just the parts you want, not just the parts you like, but every bit of it is the truth. We need to take God at His Word. So, Jesus says in verse number 1, believe in me. Notice that. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. The Greek in that, it's a command, it's not a suggestion. Oh, if you like, this is another way. This is a particular way and route you could go, but if you just love God, that's... A, no, no, no. You believe in God, believe in me. So he sets the stage. Now, we look around us and we see the world in which we live. Most people in the world believe there is a God. Most people do that. They do that because the Bible tells us that you can know that there is a God by just nature itself, by just the things that have been created, the world in which you live, and the beauty in which you see, and the, the stars at night, and the moon, and the sun, and, and all of the things out there in the world, but then closer to us to watch a tree grow, or see the Grand Canyon, or see the mountains, and all of the things. And so what we do is we come to grips with that, and we simply say, yes, I believe there is 
a God. But this is what separates people. You must also come to believe in Christ. You must come to believe in Christ and what He has done for you. You see, if you just believe in God and not His Son, you miss out on what God wants for your life. God is saying, I'm glad you believe in me, but you must believe in my Son if you want what I have for you. So if you have a belief in God and not a belief in the Son, you're missing something, at least two things. You're missing, first of all, a relationship. This real love for you as an individual that God has for you. You haven't experienced God's love to its fullest form if you do not believe that Jesus Christ is real. And secondly, more importantly, salvation. Because you can't find it in anything else. You can't find it in nature. You can't find it in all the creation of anything else other than Jesus himself. It cannot be found. And there is where the world often separates itself. I believe God, but I don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God and did what you said. But here he said, you believe in God? You must also believe in me. To believe in God. Why is that important? It's important because connected to every command is a promise. And connected to every promise is a blessing. And connected to every blessing, there is something that God is saying to you, here, I want this for your life. I want this just for you. Because you are my child and you believe that Jesus did what he did for you, here, this promise you can stand on. This promise is delivered to you. That's pretty awesome, I think. Let's do another dig in verse. Romans chapter 10. Watch what it says. Quickly as we move through this reading. What does it say? Question. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. Listen closely. The book of Romans can set you free because you discover what God has really done and what you can't do on your own. Watch. He says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that pretty clear? Does anyone not understand that? Does anyone not understand it? Because if we do, we can go right back and we can read it again because it's not going to change. So watch. He goes on to say, for it is with your heart that you believe. You just believe. You just believe it. I didn't see God throw the stars into existence. I didn't see God make the Grand Canyon. But I believe that he did it. Can I hear of an amen? amen. Watch. Then he says, believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Now watch. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, anyone, he's saying. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Give me an amen. amen. You remember the pilot that I talked about a moment ago that said, don't worry about the instruments up here. I feel good enough about making it to Hawaii, even though they are telling me we're going to run out of fuel long before we ever get there. This is God telling us just the opposite. This is how good, 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 good God is. Give me an amen. 
It's where the Lord is telling us, don't, don't, you don't have to stress out on your journey, on your flight, on your road trip. You don't have to stress out because I have told you, if you have done what I've told you to do, you can sit back, you can relax, don't let your hearts be troubled because I got you covered. Give me an amen. That's pretty good news. Somebody needs to hear it. So, what do you think? Here's the question. This stuff's real simple. Here's the question. Do you trust that you being just a good person will make it to your destination called heaven by just being good? Or do you believe what God says, that if you trust and believe in His Son, you will reach your destination, destination a place called heaven. Give me an amen. Think about it. The Bible tells us that all Scripture inspired by God in Timothy. It tells us that. It's useful for teaching and a lot of other things, of course. It's, if you will, our instruments that guide us, direct us. It's these things that we can look at in the Word as it guides us along. And in, in, in all of that, it allows us to see what is true and what is false in life. Because life will teach you things that are false, but you can perceive them as the truth. And so you can follow something. And if it's false, you cannot end up where you long to be. So God gives us His Word. It really gives us His Word to keep us from... Let me put it this way. What it does is it causes us or allows us to be straightened out. It straightens us out. Because boy, oh boy, can I get crooked sometimes in my thinking. Anybody else but me? Okay, it's just me today, but nonetheless, here we go. Because in this, so why should I not be freaking out, if you will, we use a term, might be right now and be filled with fear or stress and all these anxieties because God's Word is true. So I can go to God's Word and He tells me to believe in Him and His Son, to trust Him that He will take care of me when stress, even major stress, comes my way. You remember Jesus sleeping in on the boat? And all the others, the, the disciples were all trying to what? They were trying to right the boat. And Jesus was sleeping. And he wakes up and he tells them what? He will have little faith. Peace be still. They longed to have that peace. But their faith was in what? Not the one that was with them. Their faith was in what they could do. We can roll a little more. We can throw a little more off. Everything will be okay. Anybody sound like anybody here? I can do a little more. I can work a little more. I can try this and I can try that. I can borrow this and I can do that. And I can just. And before you know it, what happens? The stress just goes up further and further. All the while, Jesus is in the boat. Remember that. That's a freebie. All right. Number two, to stress less. We need to trust. Somebody's going to disagree with me here. Take it up with God. We need to trust that we are going to heaven. We need to trust that we are going to heaven when we say we believe what God said we have to believe. 
Jesus says in verse number 2, In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms, in this translation. Now this is only true for the person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ that we just talked about. I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. And someone says, well, that's pretty arrogant. It is not arrogant. It is not prideful. It is not boastful. Because it's not in me. It is this. I am not better than any one person in this room right now. Not better than any one person in this room. But I am better off if you haven't put your faith in Christ. Why? Because I believe. I believe in what Jesus told me to do. And that is to believe in Him. In Him alone. And by doing that, He told me I am saved. He didn't say, we'll check into it, I'll get back with you on that. Hopefully when it's all over, we'll see if you've done good enough. No! If He said that, He would be denying what His Son had done on the cross. His Son did on the cross what none of us can do in ten lifetimes. And in putting our belief in Him, He says, now you are saved. You are my child. Satan cannot snatch you out of my hand. Someone said, I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. And that's what we are. Because I put my faith in Jesus, I know that when I die, I will go to heaven. Do you know that is the question. Do you know that in your life? You see, deep down inside, I believe that we are all longing for something more in life. I think you believe that too, perhaps. Let me explain. There's a sense within us that there's more in life. How do I know that? It's because we always look for something else. We do that as a people. We look for more stuff and more things. Or in a world that we have today, we might even call it more gadgets. So what we do is we go out and we get some gadgets, things, if you will. We get these and we say, man, this is the coolest, this is the latest, this is the greatest thing on earth, man. This is just the best. Then what happens? Your buddy comes along and he gets a different model. It's a little cooler than yours. It's a little better than yours. It's a little faster than yours. And all of a sudden, we are like, this isn't so cool anymore. We have, we have storage buildings, garages, boxes upon boxes of stuff, things and gadgets. At one time, we thought were the coolest thing out there that we no longer use, but we're going to keep them just in case the Commodore 64 comes back in to play. Anybody have one of those? Good lordy. I mean, you type in something, you come back three hours later and it says, still searching, right? That's why we didn't have texting back in my day, because you could really get that messed up if you're texting your girlfriend, right? You could get it mixed up if you were texting somebody. But think about it. All the gadgets, kind of a metaphor for life, isn't it? Let me explain again. We say as humans, because we're human, oh, if I just had this, I would be happy. Anybody ever feel like that? Man, if I just had that. Man, if I had that car, I'd be really happy. Ooh, that's sweet. 
Man, if I had that house, I'd be happy. If I had that promotion, that job, if I had that guy, if I had that, boy, if I had that man, if I had that woman, boy, I'd be happy. And then what happens? We get that. We get that car. We get that house. We get that person. We get that gadget. And then what happens? We somewhere down the line, we're like, well, hmm, I don't know. Maybe it's something else. Maybe, it's, maybe there is something better for me out there. See, we're always searching for something. It's built within us. But watch this. You're searching, I believe. We're all searching, I believe, because you were hardwired by God because He created you for a purpose. Remember last week we talked about that. Charles Stanley puts it well, and he says, Our life is like a donut. And within us, we have this hole. And we try to fill it with stuff, gadgets, whatever. We try our best to fill it up. But until we find God, nothing fills the void. But when we find God, we find purpose. And in that purpose, we can find a lot less stress if we trust Him to do what is right. Animals don't sit around and contemplate the meaning of life. I don't know. I don't think they do. I know my Frodo does not contemplate life. That's one of our dogs, Frodo. What a name, huh? He lives up to it. He, I don't think he sits around and says, you know, I've tried everything roof, roof, in life to make me happy. Roof, roof. I've tried everything that life has to offer. I've chased cats, roof, roof. I've drank toilet water, roof, roof. Eat roadkill. Nothing fills that void in my life. My dog doesn't think like that. But humans do. Maybe minus the roadkill and the toilet water, but we think like that. If you have a proper relationship with Christ, with God, in that proper relationship, when stress comes, yes, and it will come, and you may wring your hands for a moment and say, whoa, 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 but if you remember, if you'll just stop and remember the promise given to you by God through Jesus, you can have a whole lot of less stress because you know no matter what, heaven awaits. Give me an amen. amen. Finally, real quick. We need to remember that Jesus is coming back. This is one that has puzzled a lot of people and a lot of people say this. It's been 2,000 years since he said that. He hasn't come back yet. So I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Just a few moments ago, a life was brought into this world, little Vivian. We're so happy for the Tim's family. But I can promise you just a few moments ago in just the time that I've been talking, hundreds of people, Jesus came back. He's closer than you might think, my friend. He says, I will come and receive you unto myself. Christ will be coming back again. 
for those who are waiting and watching, according to Hebrews chapter 9, that he will come again, but not to deal with our sin. No. Listen, Jesus is not coming back to deal with your sin. He's not coming back for that. He's already done that. Your sin, no matter how ugly it's been, no matter how bad it's been, your sin has been nailed to the cross if you believe that Jesus did it for you. Pretty awesome God. The next time when He comes back, He's bringing what He promised you to have. Salvation. Give me an amen. That's awesome news right there, folks. And when that day comes, when that day comes, it won't be less stress. When that day comes, it won't be less stress. It will be no stress for the believer. Isn't that good? It is good. Why? Because he told you in advance that if you believe in me, you are saved. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. In the meantime, I would say, because someone's going to say, well, you didn't mention this. Well, hang on. Because if you don't have belief, it don't matter. Get you some scuba gear and live there. In the meantime, he wants you to be born into his family just like Caitlin was earlier today. He wants that for your life. But why? He says, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. The person, the person condemns themselves by not believing. It's not believing what God has done for you. And so in all of that, a new life awaits you just as it did for Caitlin. And it has for her. Filled with power. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you surrender to Christ, He will set you free to live a, yes, a life with less stress. His promise. Don't let your hearts be troubled. In terms that fit our message today, maybe it's like this. With Jesus, you have more than enough to get to your destination called heaven. Without him, you will run out of fuel. Sorry. Might be a good movie. Might be good eats. But you will run out of fuel. So if you want a less stress-filled life, give your life to Jesus Christ. And if, perhaps, you've already done that, and that stress in your life seems to be overwhelming or shadows of darkness come in, remember, remember His command. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe that promise. And by believing that promise is still true today for you, your stress will be less as well. So this is where we offer an invitation. If you've never experienced the new birth and you'd like to do that, we welcome you. God invites you. He stands at the door and knocks, remember? And if you let him in, great things can happen for you. So perhaps that's where you're at. Perhaps you're just, you need a prayer. Maybe it's a praise. That's wonderful. Or maybe it's a hurt. Or maybe it is just the stress of the news you received lately or what you're thinking about. So this is where we take time as a church family to pray for you.
not to judge you, but to love you. So if you need to respond, you come, we'll do just that. Come together as we stand and sing.